Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to another live edition of the Global Reality right here on the Global Reality Radio Network with me, your host, Josh Reeves. See, Tuesday, I'm sorry, Wednesday edition of the broadcast into Thursday, August 13th into the 14th, 2014. Thank you for being with us here tonight for another late night edition of the broadcast. We'll be getting into uh, a lot of news here tonight. We've got a ton, so... We'll just, uh, we'll see what we get to. <laughs> I, try, I tried to get to more <clears throat> last night. We went to do it, talking about the Rob Williams thing. But, uh, you know, an interesting uh, addendum to that discussion last night. After I uh, got done with last night's show. Strangely enough, I, uh, not all the time, because usually, usually after I get done with the show, I'm going to start working on other film stuff, but, uh, some nights, you know, I like to, if I don't have a lot to do, and I've got caught up for the day already, um, you know, I'll watch a, I'll watch a movie or something, you know, just to kind of wind down after doing a show. So I was, uh, Looking for something to watch last night, and I came across this movie called uh, The Angriest Man in Brooklyn. And uh said it was 2014. So I go, okay, this is, you know, this news came out this year. Read the premise, you know, okay. So it sounds interesting. Who's in this? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, this is, this is completely by coincidence. Uh, First actor listed, Robin Williams. I was like, hmm. Well, that's odd. So I read the premise of this movie and uh, decided to watch it. And um, this, I mean, it just came out. I looked it up. It just came out in May of this year. So it's apparently three months old. So I take it it's you know, probably didn't do very good. I never heard of it. Probably didn't do very good at the box office going straight to video. Uh, but um, that was, I don't know. I just, I hadn't heard anybody else bring this up. I looked to see if anybody else has mentioned this since the since his death. But um, 
I I, I really felt compelled to. I almost got back on air after I watched this thing and and did it did some more broadcast. But then I said I'll just save it for tonight. But so this movie, he essentially uh, Robin Williams is like this kind of you know hot headed. Uh, asshole guy, Jew, by the way. That's interesting. You know, we were talking about last night, these, you know, and again, you know, I'm not saying there was some conspiracy to kill him. Uh, there there most likely wasn't, but there could have been, and those could have been uh, with evidence sometimes are, are worthy, at least I think, to talk about. You know what I mean? I mean, we don't have to say, I don't have to say I 100% believe something. You don't have to say you want you 100% believe something if we, if we have a discussion about it. You know what I mean? So that's uh, understand that's where I'm coming from. This I'm not trying to spin a conspiracy or anything. I'm not the guy trying to do that. Um, but but again, I mean the facts are the facts, and when facts are there and they're in front of you and you see them, as I did, I mean I feel obligated to at least bring them forward and talk about them. But I sometimes also feel that I need to some of the things I talk about on the show. I feel like sometimes I need to have a disclaimer, or, you know. Um, there's going to be a lot of stuff that we talk about and have talked about on the show and we'll talk about in the future that um, may not be stuff that I 100% believe to be true. You know, I, I mean, it's going to be easy. If, it is easy if you listen to my broadcast. easy to tell which ones are which, I think. You know, listen to the way I talk about things. You can tell which, one are the, which ones are the ones I think to be true and which ones are the ones I think, you know, okay, maybe they are, maybe they aren't, but... This movie just was just so many things that jumped out at me uh, from watching this movie, and I didn't think they were coincidences. Uh, so he plays this uptight guy, Jew, and we talked about last night how, uh, you know, the possibility of if he was suicided or something, that being the trademark of the Israeli Mossad, and again, perfect distraction <coughs> with all the other stuff going on in uh, Gaza, and, and uh, you know, it's not the only thing happening. Uh, Iraq kicking back up. <coughs> These airliners getting shot down. They want to keep people tangled up so they don't know the next one. The stuff going on Ferguson, St. Louis. I mean, my goodness. Um, I don't want to gloat straight out of the gates. I'm not trying to gloat or anything, but God damn it, folks. I mean, I, I started warning you about this back when people were not ready to hear it. We talked about how this would kick off when there were other, the immigration thing as well. I mean, you see all this? This is a perfect storm happening right now. We're in the middle, we are in the middle of a Category 5 shit storm, ladies and gentlemen, on all fronts. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it for you. But you don't need me to tell you that. You know that already. But having this death and it being somebody, you know, I mean, this it, even let, let's just say there was no, and he indeed did kill himself. There's nothing shady going on here. Boy, what great impeccable timing for the powers that be. Even distracted away with, you know, the death of a Hollywood celebrity for a bit while business as usual continues to get their minds off that for a minute. But of course this, Shooting was what the was kind of the X factor that they weren't planning on, but um, you know, I've told you this was coming, folks. 
I've warned you for years. You didn't want to listen. Some of you have. A lot of you didn't want to. But the fact of the matter is, I told you there was going to be an event that was going to kick off civil unrest, civil war, in order to dismantle any sort of uh, semblance of order in order to be able to come in in that chaos and set up a new system of government that's even worse than the one we have, more totalitarian, and all under the justification of that kind of thing not happening again. And who's right there in the middle of the eye of the shit of cane stirring the pot just like I told you he would? Alex Jones. I mean, really? How many black, how many black folks have got shot by the cops? Unwarranted. Ever. <laughs> but let's just say in the past five years. Lots. Lots, lots of people of all races. Unarmed, getting shot for no reason. That's the fact of the matter. Uh, you know, that's, that, that's what we've got to start understanding. Black, white, brown, red, it doesn't matter. You're in the crosshairs. All of us are. <laughs> but until we can get over this thing being portrayed, the thing that's being portrayed to us as this being somehow racial is the linchpin that they need to be able to pull the rug out from underneath us. And that's why we can't fall for it. We have to understand that we are, none of us are safe from these people. It doesn't matter what color you are. As I talked about even before this happened, I, you know, I talked about recently, about the guy you know, on, that went on the rant in New Jersey. The government doesn't follow the rules, they don't follow the laws, they don't follow the Constitution, so we're not going to either anymore. I mean, th- these guys, this is, you know, I'll tell you where I live. Um, the cops have never been really that bad in this area. Over the past three months, the little area I live in uh, in the suburbs of Dallas here, I mean, it's it's like their budget. I don't know where this added budget came from. I mean, it's just unbelievable. The police presence here in this area has quadrupled. It's... Uh, it's 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 wild. Um, they're definitely building up heavy police presences in the suburbs around Dallas right now. In places where I know, because I've lived here my whole life, there's never been, or really ever, even a need for it. But there's never been a heavy-handed police presence. And they are now uh, filling every nook and cranny. There used to be places, you know, you'd go. Because, you know, you live in, you know how it is. It doesn't matter where you live. You live somewhere long enough. You learn all the, you know, the back ways and the back routes and all that shit. How to get places. And, uh, you know, eventually after a while, you you start to get a feel for where cops sit, where they don't sit, where their spots are at where you're always going to see one at, and where you're probably never going to see one at. And when you start to see those shift and change, and you start to see 
there being none of those places anymore and there being, you know, unnecessarily presence in, in certain places and, um, you know, pulling people over for stuff that, you know, they don't really have marked in certain places. And, you know, it's all kind of, and I understand that a lot of it has to do with revenue and a lot of it, um, and that's how most people take it. You know, most people I talk to about what they think about this uh, increasing uh, police presence in all areas, in all, I mean, every town, everything is getting Homeland Security money. Dallas and Fort Worth and Arlington, all the surrounding cities around here have been getting it for a very long time. And um, they have been uh, increasing this presence. And most people that I, again, most people I talk to are just, you know, they, their belief is that, and their uh, view on the situation is that, you know, it's because of the economy and a lot of cities are in danger of going bankrupt and going under. And that is absolutely true. But as is the case with most things, it's not the whole entire story. And that's the problem because people just, they stop right there. I think that's the only thing that's going on. Well, you know, that's that's what's happening. <coughs> the police are, you know, increasing their presence and pulling people, more people over for, you know, minor things they could let them go for and, and different stuff like that, whatever it may be, and increasing their presence in places where they normally weren't present at all. Um, you start to see that uh, people just tend to take it as being, well, you know, they're trying to get their revenues up. And again, just trying to get the revenues up, I don't think, is the whole explanation. There's more to it than that. Um, but I tell you what, it's it, it definitely seems like every day, but I mean, the stuff, again, stuff that I've researched and talked about here on the show for years, I mean, every day with so many stories here tonight, it blows my mind. That uh, tie right into stuff I've been telling you. I mean, it's just it's it's staggering. I'm almost speechless. I'm I'm literally almost speechless. My mind is blown, man. I mean, it's 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 wild. I can't even. I'm at a loss for words, and I'm never at a loss for words. They tell you if you live long enough, you'll live to see everything, but uh, <laughs> I think I'm starting to believe that more and more every day. All the stuff, you know, uh, alien disclosure stuff, space-based weapons, all the stuff Von Braun warned about. I mean, all that stuff is coming to a head, and it's coming fast, and it's here. And we're living in those days now. And... Uh, This is uh, this is where it's going to get interesting. 
it's it really is blowing my mind to sit here and look at these stories and think, God, this is you know, this is stuff I've been talking about, warning people about for years. You know, Alex Jones is down there in St. Louis stirring up the pot and protests, and I mean, people are getting hurt. They're shutting down people's cameras and shut down the camera access, the cops there and the SWAT. I mean, it's just, you've seen all the coverage. It's, it's madness. And, you know, um, here you've got Jones, agent provocateur number one down there in the middle of it, stirring it up. And the good thing is right now, um, well, I think people are starting to figure out these, these clowns. I mean, think about it. You got Sharpton, Jesse Jackson, and Alex Jones all down there protesting this thing. I mean, we know Jackson and Sharpton both have, have uh, worked for the FBI, CIA. Jesse definitely knows the truth about the uh, murder of Martin Luther King. He certainly knows the truth about that. And uh, you got Jones, a perfect, you know, he's a perfect fit. But really, you know, what's what's going to change from this situation? This is just going to keep happening. And while we absolutely have to stand up for ourselves, stand up for uh, any threats that come from these encroaching uh, federal goons, we also have to understand what a slippery slope and a slippery situation we stand on. It's very thin ice. And that has to be taken in, in, into account, I believe, 100% before any action or anything like that can be done at all. Jumping into this half guard, well, let's just go protest this, blah, and that's just inviting trouble. So, um, I, I really think that while we cannot let them push us around, and we cannot buckle to their criminality, really. That's what it boils down to. I mean, shooting somebody unarmed, I mean, you know, in broad daylight for no reason with witnesses. And I mean, think about it. What would the reaction, let's say this was a, a similar situation. Let's say that um, a 24-year-old son of a prominent United States senator gets shot in broad daylight at a traffic stop in Kennebunkport, Maine by a black police officer. What would the reaction be? Would there be riots? Would there be more violence? Does anybody know the answer? I, I don't know the answer, but think about it. Would there be the same response as going on now? I don't think there would be. 
And the reason that I don't think there would be the same response is because that would not fit into their agenda that they are trying to push at all. They probably would do their best to make sure, you know, it didn't really get put in the media, but my my point is, is why should there be any more or less outrage or protest or anything for either situation? You know, we've got to stop marginalizing what deaths are right and which deaths are less right or more right, you know, that's we that's dehumanizing ourselves, ourselves intentionally without them having to do it for us. You understand? I mean, it doesn't matter what color someone is if they get shot and killed unarmed by someone who was supposed to be a quote-unquote peace officer. The peace left the officer a long time ago. Um, You know, I had a a guy on, uh, some guy I went to high school with or something, uh, I had him on Facebook, and he, uh, a couple weeks ago, posted this thing that said, I'm sick of seeing people talking bad about cops and posting videos about cops and, you know, this, that, and the other, and cops are, in, you know, not at all acknowledging that there are some bad cops, basically saying that all are good, and if you don't say all of them are good, no matter what, you know, then delete me from your friends list or whatever. And I immediately looked at that and said, oh, see ya, click. Because, again, those kind of extremes are both Complete idiocy. It's as idiotic to say all cops are bad and corrupt and crooked as it is to say they're all great and and, and none of them at all are, are bad for any way, shape, or form. You know, just blind loyalty like this guy was. But it doesn't change the fact that the majority percentage uh, unfortunately every day is slipping more towards the negative percentage but there you know I, I don't think that all cops are bad and yeah there's some of them that are legitimately good cops and legitimately want to do the right thing and they don't want they don't want to have to enact this criminality that the lawmakers are telling them they have to enact sometimes. They just, you know, some, some of these cops do have a moral obligation uh, to not do some of the things they're asked to do. <clears throat> but those sort of extremes, you know, that blind, not wanting to see the truth stuff, but yeah, I mean it's 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 here. I mean we'll we'll definitely be watching this and see how this plays out. But what's going on there in uh, Missouri right now? It's it's you know it's not good. And look, you know here's what bothers me too. You know that's right over there, close to where Cahokia is. And they've been finding all kinds of quote unquote new discoveries there since uh, we covered it in Lost Secrets Two that came out this year. And um, 
you know, I just couldn't help but but see this. You know, even if it is a coincidence, even though I don't believe in those things. But I said, you know, maybe it's not a coincidence. You know, is it a coincidence? Let's just put it like that. Is it a coincidence that this stuff is the epicenter of this social unrest, civil unrest? What could be the spark that ignites the flame of a new American civil war? Being provocateur by such figureheads as Alex Jones, Al Sharpton, and others. This could be that thing that sparks it off. And again, that's that's what they want, folks. It's not a coincidence this is happening right now. When you look at it's happening in combination with all other world events. Look what's happening. What's going on around you? This is happening on all fronts. It's it's a lot to take in. I know. Breathe. We're living in a very interesting time because um not since the days of like the Kennedy assassination have Americans been being hit on all fronts from a bunch of different sides. So many at once, it's hard to keep up with all of them. And that's where we're at right now. Our criminal government, bottom line, has made us in this country, citizens of the United States of America like me, uh, an expendable asset from their actions. These guys at this fuck at this point don't give two shits of a motherfuck if what they do makes some other country want to wipe out all the people. They don't give a fuck. They're going to go underground. They're going to go off planet. It could make a fuck to them. It's going to go on business as usual. But nothing is going to stop their plan, even if it takes, you know, loss of 90% of all life on North America. <laughs> I mean, these guys, it doesn't matter to them. They have contingencies for every situation. They've been making contingencies for almost every conceivable situation for many, many years. Continuity of government goes well beyond being able to, because that's what they always explain, you know, continuity of government. Well, they're just, we have Air Force One and we have these things, you know, in the bunkers and continuity of government where government can continue in the event of a uh, national catastrophe such as a nuclear war or something. But they, you know, that's it. They leave it there. And what they don't tell you is, because they don't want to scare the shit out of everybody, uh, they, what they don't tell you is, is that their plan is, um, when they stick their dicks in enough of the wrong holes and uh, the nuke strikes are called in, government will continue business as usual. And if you die, which you most likely will, um, if you don't die, well, you get to still be a Slave under the new government, and they'll put you in a nice camp and whatever have you. But uh, that's the whole thing with continuity of government. They don't care. It, it, I mean, it works in their favor.
this is what I've seen coming for quite some time, and it's here. But um, to continue my story, so I was watching this this Robin Williams film, The uh, Angriest Man in Brooklyn. So Robin Williams, this Jew, uh, he's just a pissed off, angry old Jew guy. And he um, he pissed, pissed off, yelling, and he's yelling at this fucking Arab guy, blah, 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 blah. And then uh, he goes to the doctor, and he's all pissed off, and the, his regular doctor's not there, and he has to see this other doctor, and he's uh, she tells him that he's got an aneurysm in his brain, on his brain stem, and that uh, he doesn't have much time to live, but she doesn't really know how much time he has because... She's not his regular doctor, and she can't really tell me. So he's flipping out, freaking out. Tell me, tell me, tell me fucking something, you know, God damn it! Tell me some fucking number, anything. Just tell me uh, some inkling of a fucking iota how long you think I have. And there's like a magazine sitting there that says like, you know, uh, 90 minutes to cook a turkey or something like that. And she's like, 90 minutes, 90 minutes. So she tells me he has 90 minutes to live, and, and he's running around scrambling, trying to like, you know, fix things in his life. As he's dying, even at one point, attempting suicide by jumping off of the Brooklyn Bridge, but not succeeding, but then dying later. And his character in the film, there's a scene where he says, might put on my tombstone, so-and-so, so-and-so, 1951 to 1951 to 2014. Well, that's exactly the age Robin Williams you know, was born and died at. 51 to 2014. So his character, see, very rarely in movies do people play the actual age, exact age they are in real life. That's, that's a fact. <laughs> I mean, it was just very strange, and I went, well, this is odd, you know, just like in real life, he tried to kill himself one way, allegedly, you know, with the pocket knife, that didn't work. And then he died later after that from the, the hanging. But here's, here was what the real kicker for me was. Guess who the, the co-star in this movie was? Guess who the doctor was that wasn't, you know, the one that wasn't his actual doctor? She ends up having to go track him down to get him back to the hospital because he leaves. And she wants to tell him that, you know, she just made that up or whatever. Uh, that character was played by the actress Mila Kunis. And Mila Kunis does the voice of the daughter in the show Family Guy. I, uh, I, I mean, this movie came out three months before he dies. Three months before he dies, the, the character in the film dies at the exact same age he died. He even mentions, you know, so-and-so, so-and-so lived 1951 to 2014. It's right towards the end of the movie. And he tries to commit suicide, but doesn't succeed the first time. And Mila Kunis, and then of course the you know the Family Guy thing we talked about last night, them airing this episode where Peter tries Peter tries to commit suicide because he has the everything he touches turns to Robin Williams, and he can't deal with it, so he wants to kill himself. I mean, these things, folks. Again, the statistical likelihood of these things. 
that um yeah that movie like i said the movie wasn't that great but the things in it i almost think that um i don't know i almost think maybe he had a terminal illness or something he didn't want to tell anybody i almost think that might have been the case or maybe you know i don't know maybe he did plan it out for a very long time it just kept it in his head because there was something he he was working with something extra in that movie that seemed to me you get the impression when you watch it that some of this stuff that he is expressing in this movie is not just acting like this is him getting out some real life stuff he hasn't been able to get out but he's getting it out into the guise of this movie I mean, again, don't you think it's a bit odd, those those things? That, I mean, his character dying, the suicide thing. I haven't seen anybody else mentioning this movie since he, since he died. But there's so many little clues in there, especially the Mila Kunis thing. You know, that's what are the odds of that? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I just I wanted to bring that up and mention that because it was... That was just too strange. Anyway, we've got uh, a lot of news to get to here tonight. My website where this broadcast originates from is theglobalreality.com. That's theglobalreality.com. You can go there and support our work, folks. We we need, uh, uh, we need look, we need a couple hundred bucks in here this week. Pay the middle-of-the-month bills uh, just to be able to keep survive and keep going. Um, if you want to donate a couple hundred bucks, hey, I'll throw, I'll throw some kind of little gem mineral prize back at you but uh you can also go to our facebook page uh, facebook.com forward slash let there be rocks and uh we've got a lot of new stuff up there we ask of all the time so definitely go there and check it out if you don't see something you like send me an email globalreality show at gmail.com i'll see what i can get for you anywho uh yes please help us out we uh any amount right now would help. We got through this month and got through the first of the month and got scraped by, but you know it's really kind of been slow going since then. We haven't had a lot in, so we do definitely need uh, some help. But I think September is going to be a good month for us. Um, I've got quite a few um, different gigs of uh, vending gigs lined up for my rock and gym business um we usually sometimes we get usually we have one a month or something but we, i think we've got a few maybe two or three maybe more lined up for uh september so so that'd be great i mean that'll give us an opportunity to to uh be able to get some more funds coming in here so we just really need to make it through um this month and the end of it into the next month and we should be uh good to go but we still need help uh trying to finish up funding Lost Secrets of Ancient America, Volume 3. I'm, I'm about to start a new uh, Indiegogo campaign on there as well, and we'll get that up for you hopefully this week. And uh, I'm continuing to work on this thing, and uh, again, I'm getting to the point where <laughs> I've done all I can do with what I've got done. I need to get back out there. We did uh, get some stuff done last week. I got some stuff done last week on the film. Uh, but uh, again, his thing is just ballooned and blossomed into uh, something beyond what I thought it would because 
since I've been out, out there and gone on some bigger shows and been on uh, Coast to Coast AM and whatnot, a lot of people who have um, watched Lost Secrets 1 and 2 have come forward with completely never-before-seen stuff that we've got a chance to go out and cover to get in this film. And we have to have the travel budget to be able to go and do these things. And, and you know, we've probably got at least four trips we've got to do. And it takes about two grand a trip to do them between, uh, you know, rental car fees. And uh, some of these places charge you by the mile and stuff. We're sometimes, I mean, we're, I remember the last trip we went on. Uh, we, I think we went over our uh, set mileage which I think was something like 1,500 miles or something like that, our cap. I think we went over our cap like the first <laughs> first day. Yeah, so it gets expensive, and, you know, you got a, uh, lodging and food and gas, all that stuff. It's, it's not cheap to go out and do these things, and, you know, you trek for hours and hours and hours and hours to get to a spot and hop out and shoot it as fast as you can and hop back in the car and, haul ass hours and hours and hours and hours to get to the next one. But we've got opportunities and we've got some people who've come forward with some unbelievable stuff that's never been touched or seen by anybody else. No one has ever seen this. We have a giant footprint, absolute evidence of a giant a, a footprint uh, that we're going to be able to get footage and pictures and everything of in a uh, shale material just like what is found at Rockwall in Alabama, where we know there's was giant presence, I mean, the city of Tuscaloosa was named after a giant. That's not even debated. I mean, that's in... They admit that. And uh, it's right near a pre... Uh, or a post-flood, uh, or pre-flood, rather. Pre-flood mound is right next to it. We've got a guy down in Llano, Texas, where I've identified the Behringer Hill and the quarry for the rock wall material. We've got a guy down there who has uh, what appears to be another rock wall with geopolymer mortar substance and the rest of it on his property. I mean, this would be the absolute smoking gun for my entire point that I put forward in Lost Secrets 1. That that material was mined from that area and having evidence of another of these almost exact structure like the rock wall in that exact area and having that on film, ladies and gentlemen, shot in 2.5K Super HD resolution. I mean, that would be evidence that would be hard to ignore even by the mainstream establishment people, and that's not even the half of what I've got to bring forward. So this is, uh, this is massive. We can't let what's going on. What I was going to say earlier, I got sidetracked. Um, all this stuff happening, all this stuff going on again. It's all happening for a reason. The archaeological digs and everything are still going forward. They had an article out this uh, last week that said, oh, you know, even though bombs are going off, archaeological stuff is business as usual in Israel right now. Yeah, I bet it is. Same in Iraq. Well, think about it, man. All this stuff in St. Louis going on, that's right near Cahokia. They found all these new discoveries out there. What a great area to have all this kick off so they can lock that whole area down now that some new discoveries have been found. I bet you a dollar to donuts. 
the cities in the United States where this stuff starts popping off the most are going to be in cities where there are ancient sites that they want to put on the lockdown. Which means where I live might be one. Or where else? Um, oh, Atlanta? Oh, fuck. If you live in Atlanta, if you live in hot Atlanta, ugh, hot Atlanta, ugh. If you live in Atlanta, flee. That's, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. I mean, my God, your, your city alone, uh, Atlanta, that, that area was where the capital of Atlantis was. It was in that area. Why do you think the Guidestones, Georgia Guidestones, were put in that place? They were put there for the exact same reason. I mean, hell, you got Phoenix, Arizona, which is also on the 33rd degree parallel. I mean, Phoenix itself, the name, not to mention the, you know, the rising from the ashes and all that, but the, so the term itself comes from the Phoenicians, but Phoenix. It's all here, man. It's all, it's all over this country. And if you don't think our country is going to go the same way Iraq and all the other countries are, I'm sorry, I'm sorry to tell you, you're sadly mistaken. But if you wanted to predict and be able to know what cities were going to be the first ones to be locked down, I would say, look at the ones that have ancient sites that are near them. Ohio, Ohio is going to be in bad shape. Uh, New Mexico, Arizona, Colorado, Utah. California, look at the droughts. Look at what's going on. I've been all over this country, folks, at this point, and and got a lot more to to go see. But I can tell you this. At all of the sites, all the places I've been to across this country, East Coast, West Coast, Middle America, I've I've been across almost all of this. I haven't been up in the far Northeast and haven't been all the way to the East Coast yet, but we do have stuff we'll have to shoot out there eventually. But, um, one thing I can tell you that I have seen is all these places near these sites seem to be recently turned into ghost towns. And we we know about UN stuff. We know about re- the rewilding of America. We know about how they want to, you know, push everybody and herd everybody into these big cities so they can be more controllable. We know that's going on. But it's fascinating to get out there and see when you start going to these sites and how many you know, of the cities and little places around it have just kind of been left to, um, to rot and the populations are dwindling. And as you get farther away from these sites and closer into the cities, you start to see large, larger population density and whatnot. But it's something that I have noticed being out there. But... Um, you know, if you live in a relatively large populated area that sits on an ancient site or something like that, Illinois, I mean, is, you know, right there, St. Louis is right there on the tip of Illinois. Illinois is full of, full of ancient sites. Doesn't look good for Chicago. We already know Detroit. Detroit, actually, I mean, all around Michigan, there's tons of ancient sites. Play right into this stuff. So we already seen what's happening there. Not a surprise. Where else? Uh, Alabama has a lot, but 
most of those are out away from a lot of the populated areas. Where else? Louisiana even, maybe, yeah. There's a lot there. Mississippi, there's more than there are probably anywhere else. Tennessee, Kentucky, Indiana. Um, all over the country. I mean, there's stuff's everywhere. But I think these are going to be the cities you start to see get locked down first. This stuff is becoming a major problem, folks. This type of stuff that I've been bringing out is, is my work has started to become a major problem for the power structure. It's obvious in the news stories they put out every day now. I mean, it's clearly obvious that they are having to backpedal and now put out stuff and admit to things that they had never wanted to admit to before because they absolutely now have the fear of losing credibility because they now actually probably for the first time actually do have a legitimate threat to their credibility. I mean, listen to this, folks. I saw this day. I just, I couldn't believe it. They know we're on to them. Mastodon tusks and primitive tool discovered by fishermen suggest humans from Europe settled North America thousands of years before previously thought. A flint knife was found with a mastodon skull in the Chesapeake Bay in 1974. The skull is 22,000 years old and could prove that humans were in America up to 10,000 years before previously thought. And again, 22,000 years, that'd be pre-flood. A set of mastodon tusks and a Stone Age tool dredged together out of the Chesapeake Bay by fishermen suggest that humans could have settled in North America thousands of years before previously thought, according to a controversial new study. Of course, it's controversial. Right, because it shows that, again, there were people occupying these lands long before the Native Americans, and the Native Americans were a mongrel type of people that were created by the interbreeding of these Amorites with the existing people who came across uh, the supposed land bridge. Or the people that were basically there, if they didn't come across language, which you know, I think it's possible that some people did, but I don't think those were the Native Americans as they tell us. Or the bloodlines certainly don't prove that. Why is it that these uh, Native Americans had so much European DNA in them? Tons and tons of European DNA. You know, it's just like we show in uh, Law Secrets 1, where you have all these famous black celebrities who... You know, grew up, grew up hearing stories from their family, their grandparents, you know, as we all do, about, you know, how this <clears throat> grandparent or this family member or whatever had Indian blood, you know, and, and they did DNA tests on all these famous black folks and found out they didn't have any Indian blood in them, but in fact had European, Caucasian blood. And then we're talking about people like Chris Rock, who, you know, really was, he was pretty pissed off, you could tell. Um... And that's that's the thing. I mean, you look at uh, I put the clip in there about King Tutankhamun, Tutankhamun as well. You know, his majority of his DNA is European, Native Americans as well. 
So you definitely see this uh, breeding that went on that breeded these people. It's, you know, that's part of the cover-up. They want to keep that information covered up. The Mastodon remains are 22,000 years old, according to radiocarbon dating up to 10,000 years older than the Clovis culture. Thought to be the first settlers in the West Hemisphere, yeah, predates even Clovis. Most researchers believe the first humans inhabited North America between 13,000 and 16,500 years ago after crossing the Bering Strait land bridge from Asia. Despite the incredible claims, much of the archaeological community remains skeptical. Life Science reports the bottom line is there are simply is no context for these discoveries. Well, contraire, mon frere. There's all kinds of context for these discoveries. And that's the narrative that myself and others have been putting out there for years. They do not want the pre-Native American history of the inhabitants of this area out there. Because if that gets exposed, it exposes the fact that Atlantis and our current culture, these are all cultures that are designed to raise up, have high technology, fall, and then another one come up behind it. But the admission of that flies in the face of so much of their control structure, religion, science, all the rest of it, that 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 knowledge of Atlantis and that knowledge of these cultures that rise and then are brought down, that can't be known as true. That's got to stay in the, in the realm of fairy tale and myth. And uh, that's becoming increasingly harder for them to do. It's, it's unbelievable how much of this stuff I see now. Uh, ancient tomb reveals that Egyptians were mummifying their dead 1,500 years earlier than previously thought. I mean, I want to say welcome to the party, every one of these articles I read, you know. Of course they were doing it earlier than we previously thought. Of course the pyramids are much older. Possibly even pre-flood. Or Atlantean in origin. Absolutely, but that changes, again, it changes the timelines. You know, the Egyptians had the exact stories of the crucifixion and the resurrection, all this stuff, thousands of years before the time of Christ. That's, that's established fact. If people knew the truth, the governments of the world and the power structures of the world that people that keep all this stuff going forward believe that if people knew that our world was just a cyclical thing that was preordained to have an orchestrated rise and a fall, people would not be able to, you know, they wouldn't want to do day-to-day life things anymore. And that's really the reality of it, folks. Um, Sir Francis Bacon, who was responsible, and we know many people believe, and I think the evidence definitely supports the fact that Sir Francis Bacon was definitely uh, William Shakespeare, but he was the guy that revived the Rosicrucians when the Rosicrucians had been dead and buried and forgotten about for over 300 years. He resurrects the Rosicrucians. He comes to America and sets up the Rosicrucians in America and sets up the secret society structure in the universities as recruitment centers through the um, fraternity structure. 
and then sets up the first Masonic Lodge. This is how this all came about. These guys, likes of Francis Bacon, he was writing books, The New Atlantis, where he was saying that the New Atlantis would be built on the ashes of the Atlantis of old. It would be in what is now America. He talked about everything we have in our modern day skyscrapers, flying machines, the whole works. And he said that just like the Atlantis of old, this new Atlantis, us, in the modern day would have to face the same decisions and choices that the Atlanteans did, you know, power for the sake of more power or uh, power for the good of the people. And that which one we chose would determine our fate. And it does seem as if we are heading that way yet again. Sir Francis Bacon knew about this, folks. Why do you think they wanted to set up? Why was it important for Bacon to come here to the United States and set up these societies? So that the knowledge that he had that came from, I mean, look at where the Rosicrucians, the ancient Rosicrucians, I mean, again, they weren't around for 300 years till he resurrected. Where did their information come? Come from. It came from the same place that all of the uh, other information is, came from, the ancient text from those ancient civilizations. Stuff from Solomon's Temple. The same stuff that the Templars, and the information they had access to. They wanted to be able to pass along this hidden information of cyclical events and the cyclical nature of our reality and existence into only in the hands of the people who were going to be in power. And, uh, of course, it's very easy for something like that to be abused and not used for how, how it supposed, was originally intended to be used. And, of course, as it always does, that's exactly what happened. But it's amazing when you go to these Masonic Lodges. I've been to a bunch of them, toured a bunch of them, seen a bunch of these cathedrals. And said, there's always, you know, there's always references to Assyrian or, you know, ancient Middle Eastern civilizations. And there's always references to Atlantean stuff. There's mermaids and... You always see that on top of all the other stuff that comes clearly out of um, you know the uh, the lesser keys of Solomon and that kind of stuff. Let's see what else we have here. Uh, we talked about, I talked about this, I think a few weeks ago, I was talking about celebrity deaths and uh, different musicians who died under shady circumstances. I, talk, I talked a bit about Jim Morrison and about how he uh, didn't actually die in a bathtub. He actually was given a, a fatal overdose of heroin. And then they took him back to his apartment, set it up, and made it look like he died, of, you know, in the bathtub or whatever. Because they didn't want to be charged with murder. And uh, Mary Ann Faithful, 
uh, who was, I think she used to be Mick Jagger's woman back in the 60s. British singer Marianne Faithful has told an interviewer her former boyfriend accidentally killed iconic rock singer Jim Morrison of the Doors 43 years ago. Morrison was found dead age 27 in July 1971 in the bathroom of his Paris apartment and no autopsy was performed on his body. Faithful told Mojo Magazine that her then-boyfriend, Jean de Bretelli, known as the heroin dealer to the stars, had accidentally killed Morrison by giving him drugs that were too strong. Well, see, that, <laughs> that coincides exactly with what we've heard for many, many years. The couple had traveled to Paris, and on their arrival, Dupatelli said that he had to visit Morrison's apartment. Faithful stayed behind at their hotel. I could intuitively feel trouble, uh, she told the magazine. I thought it would take, I would take a few two-and-all barbiturates, and I, I won't be there. And then he went to see Jim Morrison and killed him. I mean, I'm sure it was an accident, poor bastard. The smack was too strong, yeah, and he died. Everybody connected to the death of this poor guy is dead now. Except me. So that's interesting. <laughs> She's the last one left alive, so she had to come out and say something. And we've known that story for years, but again, um, you know, those guys, it, it proves what we've known all along as well about Jim Morrison's father, Admiral Morrison, architect of the Gulf of Tonkin. I mean, you can see why these guys covered that up, you know. They, I mean, they surely knew that. They, I, I don't think any of those guys wanted to be not only the guy responsible for the death of Jim Morrison, but the death, the responsible for the death of of uh, the son of an admiral in the United States Navy, a high ranking Navy admiral. I, I think that was probably what they were shit scared about the most. That's that to me is what's most telling about that situation. The ancient, this ancient religion is being threatened with the extermination in Iraq. They represent the vast majority of a religion that rose alongside the world's most popular faiths. Now members of the Yazidi are cut off from the rest of the world, forced to choose between death at the hands of the militants threatening their families and the elements that have already ended the lives of dozens of children. I've told you that there is specific people in, in these areas of Iraq that they want to eradicate off the face of the planet. And these are the main, these Yazidis are the main uh, ones that they want to wipe off the face of the earth. There are a few, fewer than 700,000 members of the Yazidi faith in all of Iraq whose practitioners are ethnically Kurdish, with the majority of them located in the Nineveh province. What do we, who do we remember? We remember Nineveh from all of our Readings, Nineveh was an Anunnaki, the city in northern Iraq. Rather than being an offshoot of Islam or Christianity, Yazidism is a monotheistic faith that believes that the world was created and placed under the protection of seven angels. Their belief clashed with ISIS in this regard, particularly due to their reverence for one angel whose closest analog in the Judaic faith later becomes Satan himself. Um, and so, yes, that's what they say. These guys, they say that they're Satan worshippers. Really, what it is, they're they're Zoroastrians. It's an offshoot of Zoroastrianism, uh, one of the oldest religions on this planet, and one that was practiced uh, in the ancient Middle East. And I've told you for years 
that's the reason why we know Iran is next, and we know that's the reason why they want to get in Iran, and that's why we've heard all this stuff for years about let's bomb Iran and all the rest of it. Because they have the Behistun inscription in Iran, which is on the side of this giant mountain, which is inscribed at the bottom from Queen Semiramis to Zeus, who is also Enki. And it goes on to talk, it's a decree by uh, King Darius. Darius's bloodline would go on to be, uh, to seed Merovinius Merovi, who later seeded the Merovinian bloodline. King Darius describes how all of his bloodline descendants for the, till, until the end of time will rule over these 23 lands forever. And these 23 lands, when you look them up and, and look up where they really are, happen to be all the places where all the wars in the Middle East are breaking out. Afghanistan, Iraq, Iran, Syria. And when you think about that, this bloodline is the same bloodline that our modern-day rulers, the Queen, the Bushes, Obama, on and on. Tons of movie stars, musicians. You see why they want to go and wipe out the people that are there and take that back for them for themselves. And uh, Darius, of course, was um, very much related to Rosicrucianism. I'm sorry, not uh, Zoroastrianism. And um, their whole religion really is based around the worship of these Anunnaki gods. That's really what it boils down to. And they, the uh, religious people, both Christians and Muslims alike, and uh, Jews alike, have all deemed their religion... Uh, as devil worship. Because of these misconstrued stories that they've turned into religious texts that are misconstrued and, and, and rewritten to hide what they really are, which are living gods existing on the planet. So this is the real reason why Zoroastrianism has been in the in the crosshairs. There is evidence at the of Zoroastrianism and, and whatnot at the uh, Anubis Caves in Oklahoma on the border of Oklahoma and Colorado. British police raid pub in search for Holy Grail. British police raided an English country pub this week in search of a stolen wooden relic believed to be by some the Holy Grail. A cup from which, according to the Bible, Jesus is said to have drunk from his final meal before the crucifixion. The Grail has captivated religious experts for centuries, spawning myriad theories about its location and inspiring numerous numerous fictional accounts from the Middle Ages onwards. The object of the police search, which was unsuccessful, was a frail wooden bowl known as the Nantios Cup that has been attributed with healing powers since the 19th century attracting pilgrims and others who believe it may be the Holy Grail itself. 
After receiving a tip-off, a team of eight officers and a police dog arrived on Sunday morning at the Crown Inn, a village pub in the rural English county of Herefordshire. They turned the police upside down. They came with fiber-optic cameras to look in all the corners and nooks and crannies and under the floorboards. They were clearly serious about it. That's interesting. So they're sending in guys with sophisticated equipment to look and see. So that right there tells you that governments of the world and police agencies are being dispatched with advanced technology for tips and tip-offs for ancient relics that are going around. Not because they want to put them in the hands of someone that they were stolen from or put them back in a museum. No, they want them to be able to put under their control because they these guys know how to use these things. That's where the that's really where the Masons come in as far as when people say the Masons run everything. Really the Masons don't don't run everything. That's a complete misnomer to say that. There are Masons in positions of power. There are many, 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 many who are in no positions of power as well. But that's where the ones that are in positions of power come into play. That's why they are needed by the guys in the food chain that are even higher than they are. That's why they're necessary. They're necessary to be there because they're the facilitators. They're the ones that have the knowledge and access to the knowledge to know how to use these different relics once they are acquired by the governments of the world. So this is a great example to show you folks that the hunt for antiquities is actively being pursued around the clock by all governments of the world. And, and of course, the Smithsonian's presence in almost every country in the world with them having offices and stuff there and posts, I mean, that's, that ties right in as well. Sign is working on government Ebola drug, joked about culling the population with GMO virus. That's a video up on YouTube. That's no joke. And then we find out from this article, Monsanto in bed with DOD over Ebola can't be good. So a scientist said that they joked about calling the population with a GMO virus, and we find out Monsanto's working with the DOD on the Ebola vaccine. Something about that doesn't sound good to me. So a scientist working on the government Ebola drug, so a Monsanto scientist, presumably, jokes about calling the population the GMO virus, and Monsanto is the king of GMO. I don't dig that at all. Um, we Did we talk about the ancient bones that, the, that were found? Did we talk about that? The ones that were found in the museum in Pennsylvania? I don't know if we discussed I think we did. The ones they called the Noah skeleton, even though, um, you know, there's no indication it was actually, this is actually the skeleton of the biblical Noah, but that's just what they called it. Well, it's interesting now because they've now found out more information on it. And uh, this man lived in the ancient Mesopotamian kingdom of Ur 6,500 years ago, which is also the birthplace of Abraham who was also a son of, you know, he was a half, uh, he was a half breed uh, Anunnaki. 
Well, that's what you find out about all of the, you know, Muhammad, Jesus, on and on. They were the they were the demigods. They were the ones that were half human, half God. And that's the confusion in religion. People, you know, oh, he was the son, of, or Jesus was the son of God. Well, how come we don't see God anywhere? He was the son of him. Well, how could he be the son of him if God's this, you know, energy source that you can't see but is there and at all times omnipotent? Well, wouldn't that mean that we're all the son of God? No, that's blasphemy. Okay, hmm. Um... Isn't it more possible, more likely, that Jesus being the Son of God is the Son of God because he's the Son of a God? A God who had sex with a mortal human woman. That's really what the story is. And that's why there's so much relevance placed on these People that all religions were uh, started around. Salt injection kills cancer cells by causing them to self-destruct, and it could pave the way for new drugs to prevent the disease. Well, who would have thought it would be something as simple as that? They've probably known about this for years. Scientists have created a technique which caused cancer cells to self-destruct by injecting them with salt. Research from the University of Southampton are part of an international team that has helped to create a molecule that can kill the disease by carrying sodium and chloride ions into the cells. Synthetic ion transporters have been created before, but it's the first time researchers have demonstrated how an influx of salt into a cell cell triggers death. These symptoms, these synthetic ion transporters transcribed... uh, Let me start that all over again. These synthetic ion transporters described this week in the Journal of Nature Chemistry could point the way to new anti-cancer drugs while also benefiting patients with cystic fibrosis. Study co-author Professor Philip Gale of the University of Southampton said this work shows how chloride transporters can work with sodium channels in cell membranes to cause an influx of salt into a cell. We found we can trigger cell death with salt. Cells in the human body work hard to maintain a stable concentration of ions inside their cell membranes. Disruption of this delicate balance can trigger cells to go through apoptosis, known as programmed cell death, a mechanism the body uses to rid itself of damaged or dangerous cells. So whoever discovered this will probably hang himself, Robin Williams style, next week. Couldn't go on living after finding out you could just inject someone with salt to cure cancer. Yeah. I feel sorry for that guy. He probably didn't have long to live. Remember that one, though. You get ever get yourself some cancer, just inject yourself some salt. Fuck. Might as well start injecting some now for the shit of it. Fuck it. The UN takes on asteroids. Scientists' expertise are pulled to help tackle the threat of asteroids, just like Von Braun said. First it'd be communism, then it'd be terrorists, third world crazies, then it'd be asteroids, and the final card would be aliens. And all it would be a lie is a pretext to weaponize space. And what's China doing right now? Weaponize, weaponizing space, violating all space-based weapons treaties. 
So if one country does it, what's that mean? Well, we can't let some Chinese or anybody else have something we don't have, so we got to violate that treaty too. Truth is, the United States have had space-based weapons up there since the late 60s. They've been shooting down UFOs and stuff for years. Scientists believe there are around 1 million near-Earth asteroids that could pose a threat to our planet. It should be could pose a threat to our planet, not could post a threat to our planet. These fucking people do not know how to write. But only a tiny fraction have so far been detected. And again, they want to tell us, oh, we've got to weaponize space, and we're going to have this so we can shoot asteroids down, may come and blow us up. And then once they get that, then they're going to say, well, okay, now we've had that, and that works, but now we've got E.T. and aliens to deal with. They're going to roll aliens out on us. We need more money to have more space-based weapons. They'll defeat the phony threat. They'll claim Earth victorious. We'll all be united under a one-world government. And then they'll point those space-based weapons right back down to Earth. And anybody who tries to defy this newly found world government will wind up getting zapped in real time from space. That about brings us up to date, ladies and gentlemen. History got it wrong. Scientists now say Serpent Mound is as old as Aristotle. Here we go again. Look, guys. Those of you who've been listening here, at least since Lost Secrets 1 came out. You saw when Lost Secrets 1 came out. What happened? Story after story after story of them backtracking and changing their official story on stuff I covered in that film. You saw it. I know some of you may have thought it was a fluke or coincidence or whatever else, and I understand. I'm not mad at you for that. But again, just like we talked about with the Robin Williams thing and the the death hoaxes and all that stuff, statistical likelihood, folks. What is the statistical likelihood I would release? Not one film where they would come out and start putting out article after article, trying to backtrack on their long-established official narratives that I questioned. What are the odds that I would put out the second film and they would start to do the same exact thing on the sites I covered in the second film? Serpent Mount. Spyro Mounts. Chaco Canyon. Cahokia. Just since February, since that film's been released, folks, we are now seeing case after case of them changing the story. I told you in Lost Secrets 2 that the Serpent Mound was a tribute to a much older race, not the one they tell us that it was uh, related to, the Fort Ancient culture or whatever. Now they've gone and they've changed that. And I was there in November of last year filming in that area, and I tell you, all the stuff I saw there attributed it all to this wrong to later culture as well. Serpent Mountain in rural Adams County, Ohio is the premier, one of the premier Native American earthworks in the hemisphere. Its pristine flowing form was enhanced by major reconstruction in the 1880s. That reconstruction now appears to have been the second time in its long lifespan that Serpent Mountain has shed some of its skin. 
Estimates of the age of the Earth work are now radically revised as a result of new radiocarbon analysis suggesting that the mound is about 1,400 years older than conventionally thought. The new date of construction, it's older than that, even. Uh, it's, it's about 5,000 years old. The new date of the construction is estimated at approximately 321 BCE, one year after the death of Aristotle in Greece. Signs and other interpretive material have been made obsolete virtually overnight, along with ideas about the indigenous culture responsible for the astounding artwork. The new data alters thinking about three things. The culture responsible for the mound, the native groups that are direct descendants of those builders, and the purpose and iconography of the work. Dispatching other theories about Serpent Mound's origin, Romaine's summary concludes, both the consensus of opinion and radiocarbon evidence suggest that it's an Adena construction. And that's what I say in Lost Secrets too. You see how they're doing this, folks? When people like me put out these videos to an audience of people that already do not, do not trust what the establishment is telling them on just about everything, it becomes dangerous because the facts are the facts. I said in that film, the reason why they didn't want to say that it was the Adena culture, because the Adena were known to be giants. Now they've got new information in here. Now they have proven me 100% correct, ladies and gentlemen. I am fully vilified. I mean, I didn't read that opinion anywhere or anything. I derived that opinion from my own hard research and going to this place myself. And looking at the evidence, and I said, this is absolutely Adena construction. It's absolutely Adena origin. And the reason they don't want to say it's the Adena is because the Adenas were known, and they admittedly were all giants. And now the evidence shows beyond any shadow of doubt that's the case. And this comes out after I put that out in Lost Secrets 2 and have been on Coast to Coast AM to talk about it. You see, folks? <laughs> I mean, I am having an effect with this stuff. They are having to change their official story quick on almost all of these ancient sites because they are losing face and losing credibility by the day. And they're trying to take the piss out of me is what they're trying to do as well. They're trying to now admit all the things that I talk about and bring out as being true as an attempt to downplay me so that when people see my videos, they just go, oh, well, yeah, we know that. Well, yeah, but you didn't know it before. That's the thing that, that people are going to forget. 20, 30, 40 years from now, when this stuff that they're admitting now that they for years wouldn't admit to about these ancient sites becomes common, common fact and accepted knowledge, people are not going to remember there was a time when they tried to keep that secret. And it just perpetuates. And you see how phony history just goes on and on, just like that, folks. I mean, this is why you've got to support my work. We've got to put this on the record and show people, look, they are responding to us because we are bringing out the facts and they know that if they don't back up what we found because we're finding real tangible evidence here with this stuff that we're bringing out, they're going to lose credibility. Well, we got them by the short and curlies now, folks, but we got, we, we got to have your help. Visit my website, make a contribution. Please go and uh, also get something from our Let There Be Rocks page as well. And uh, do anything you can to help the cause, folks. My name is Josh Reeves. I love each and every one of you, and uh, we'll see you next time for the show. You guys have a great night. Take care.